Alright, motherfuckers, we're back. And I'm back with one goddamn microphone again. I tried so hard to get two mics working, fought with my fucking computer for two hours, and fuck, didn't work. So, back on one mic. We're at episode 16 of the podcast. Today, I'm here with my old friend, Leo Gonzalez, who is a uh, painter and tattooer, among a lot of other stuff that you learn about. Uh, based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks so much for Absolutely. letting me invade your home. <laughs> for, sh- for sure, man. Wrestle with my computer, but I think everything's going to work out okay now. It seems like it's working fine. Um, so, usually I like to just start these podcasts with, uh, you know, how you grew up. You know, I like to basically, I'm trying to give artists a framework for how to be successful in mm-hmm. your own right and i think a lot of that goes back all the way to the beginning and you know so uh I, from what i remember were you raised in pohuaque yep. new mexico Pohuacan, new mexico were you born up there yep all my, i was born here all my life <laughs> oh yeah northern new mexico yep okay what what year was that 73 73 how many people uh lived in pohuaque back then you know, I don't know what the actual population was. I know my graduating class was 90. Oh, okay. So, That's a good gauge. Yep. Yeah, Fairly totally. small. Right. So you, did you go to... Um, did, when did you start uh, messing around with art? I mean, it must have been pretty early. Yeah, you know, my mom was an artist. Uh, her and my dad, totally different. You know, my dad uh, taught PE. My mom was an artist for the labs. Oh. And... Uh, from an early age, they decided when they were going to have kids that they weren't going to push their own trip onto the kids, you know, so sure. unless that happens, you know, naturally. happens. Yeah. It's a good way to go, I think. So my mom claims that at like two years old, she caught me in the living room with a sheet of paper and like a crayon or something. And I was trying to copy something out of a uh, storybook or what have you. Yeah. And so she then said, okay, there's an interest, and took it upon herself to teach me. That's cool. And yeah. so it's all I did as a kid, man. I mean, if I wasn't chasing lizards in the arroyos, I was drawing. <laughs> <laughs> Little kid stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think you need something to do uh, during the middle of the day when it's so hot that's indoors in the shade, too. Yep. You know, and for me, that was drawing. Yep. As soon as it cooled off, I was outside on my bmx bike getting crazy well a lot of the time they would try to get me outside and i didn't want to go i just wanted to (laughs) be drawing (laughs) yeah i hear you what kind of stuff were you drawing you know early early age it was like disney characters i remember doing you know by the time i was four i was doing drawing all the disney characters things like that i guess i knew how to draw mickey mouse and a few a few other characters i like somebody had shown me the how you combine the circles to make the little mouse head or whatever Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um but that would have been a little later i suppose yeah i remember being real obsessed with like the sunday comics garfield and what have you oh yeah and so i used to draw those or but draw my own characters that were kind of stylized to look like jim davis's garfield stuff yeah and would try to make my own strip Uh uh-huh like that was the big thing even as a little kid that i was going to do comics for for sunday paper you were just like oh this could be a good thing to do for a living yep huh yeah, I suppose I did too. Mm-hmm. And on some level, was like, 
because I certainly was attracted to the same things. I hadn't thought about it in many, many years, but I remember Prince Valiant in oh, the yeah. Sunday comics newspaper, and it was like really, really well drawn. And no, it was next level. Was, yeah, and I remember really tripping out on that and trying to uh, replicate uh, individual cells from that comic, mm-hmm. you know? That's mm-hmm. crazy. I should look at those again, because I'll bet you my style now has a lot to do with Prince Valiant. Your folks still have style. that? Some of that old stuff? Mm, not really. No. I mean, I I have gone and like he's collected got, He's gotten better. Of, Let's... <laughs> you know, I, that's the thing. Like, I, I, that's the kind of stuff that I collect now, is yeah. stuff from childhood that was influential like mm-hmm. Dragon magazines and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? If I find those these days, I'll buy them and really dig in and, and yeah, yeah. really, uh, I don't know, it's like soak it back up again. You know, it made such a, a profound uh, impression as a kid. Sure. When did you discover Dungeons & Dragons? Because I think that's something that we shared. Yeah. Um, you know, I always think about, like, that there was there's moments in your life that didn't seem like huge moments, but looking back, you realize, holy shit, that co- totally changed my trajectory, you know? Exactly. That's the kind of stuff I'm seeking out now. Yeah. And re- and realizing that, once you look at it again, you're like, holy shit, that's how I've drawn like a cobweb mm-hmm. like for my whole life. And look, there it is in that comic that I loved. Yeah. And it was like, and you could draw that a million different ways. Yeah. You know, but there's, yeah, it's funny to re uh, rediscover those in- in- inspirations. Sure. I remember uh, I was in elementary school and we went on a field trip uh, to go bowling in Santa Fe. And while we were waiting for the bus to come, we had a little bit of time. I had a little bit of spending money and we went into the local bookstore. I think it was like Walden Books or something right next to the bowling alley. And perusing the bookstore, I found a copy of Tolkien's The Hobbit. And I'd never heard of it. I wasn't familiar, but the cover caught me. And I was like, ooh, this wow. looks interesting. And man, it like it's such a huge part of my life still. And that that was where yeah. D D originated for me, you know, from from Tolkien, then I discovered from an Dungeons and Dragons. In those kind of fantasy medieval yep. you know, storylines or whatever. You know, again, it was the same for me. Mm-hmm. I was going to the Coronado Mall in Albuquerque. And while my mother and sister would go shopping, I was perfectly content just going to the bookstore and I would look at every single cover from the fantasy and science fiction sections. Oh, yeah. And I would really, really look. And they would come, they'd have to come get me. Like mm-hmm. they could go shopping for an hour or so. I was still in that section looking at those book covers and they'd be like, yo, we're ready to go. We're done. We went to six stores. Come on. And I'm like, yo, I got this one more row to look at. Just give me a second. They're like, come on, no way. Like, you're looking at book covers, you dork. Like, let's get out of here. Yeah. But man, that shit was just, it, it entranced me. Because each one was like this world that you could kind of fall into. Absolutely. Like, album covers was the same way. Mm-hmm. If I went to a record store, I'd go right to the heavy metal section or whatever and just be like, all right, what do we got? I think that's so, the sad thing about this digital age is that, you know. You, oh, sure. <laughs> even bands that I'm into, their new thing comes out. Sure, if I can get it on vinyl great but yeah. so many people are just buying it digitally and man you're missing the album cover yeah. you're missing the lyric sheet and all the artwork that went along in that i suppose on the flip side no, though video is a much bigger deal 
Like it's much easy. It's a much easier thing for even a, a band of teenagers to get together with their homie that knows how to use GoPro and sure make some videos. Absolutely, you know, as a way to express what their band's you know visual thing is versus yeah. an album cover. Yeah, it's a, know? it's a two-edged it's sword a for sure. Thing. I still love records though. I just moved and moved like 600 records. That's yeah. like ridiculous. You know how heavy mm-hmm. that shit is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I gotta have it. Like yeah. they're special to me. I Nothing sounds like them. it, you know? Oh, the well, crackle. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the frequency range. Yeah. That's the thing I think that young people are discovering now is that an MP3 is compressing all of those uh, Absolutely. You know, the, uh, the range of the sound frequencies, you know, so you're missing out on a lot of the low, low and the upper high end mm-hmm. stuff because it had to get compressed. And then you hear a record and you're like, whoa, I never knew this song had bass like that. Like, yeah, no shit. Like the how it sounds on the record is really how the band intended it to sound. Sure. And you're hearing it in a much like abbreviated form digitally. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. It's, you know, but that can be fun. Like, I'll have friends over to my place and, uh, like, you know, just that, that kind of situation. I'll play something and they'll be like, dude, I had no idea this had that, sa- that particular, like, a cowbell sound in a rock and roll song. And it was really, really faint, you know. But in the record, it has this prominence. You know, oh, it's yeah. like, oh, shit, this sounds like a different song. Listening like, to things on headphones, man, it makes such a difference, you yeah, know, that you pick too. up things and sure. layers that you don't normally. Depending on the quality of the headphones, again. Yep. You know, if you're listening. And the quality on... of the recording. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's funny, though, like, that it can matter. Like, I sit and listen to music all fucking day. Do you do, you do that when you're tattooing and oh, stuff? Yeah. Do you just listen to music yep. constantly? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, stereo's first thing I turn on in the morning. You know, it's funny, though. Uh, I've noticed that tattooing, but especially at home painting, um, I'm so used to the music that I listen to or a movie, if I throw it on, yeah. it becomes background. I'm yeah. not really paying attention to it so much. Sure. It's just there for a background. Yeah. Um, lately, I've discovered just listening to audiobooks and the wonderful things that can happen with that because I'm focused. I'm not so focused on what I'm doing, like what I'm painting. I go more on autopilot because I'm listening to the audiobook and I'm really trying to absorb the story or whatever's you know I'm listening to. So I'm not as focused on the actual task at hand and it becomes more autopilot and I feel like hap- the happy accidents happen that yeah. might not happen if I had music playing and it was just kind of background noise and I'm just hyper concentrated on, you know, tattooing. It's funny how or, that is, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, because a lot of, like, a, a regular person that doesn't draw every day if they were sitting down next to us and just watching us work, to them it looks like it's fucking magic. You know what I mean? Because it's just like, there's such a directness, you know, and I just, uh, I think people would sometimes be surprised at how little we're actually concentrating on the work. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a funny thing, because I try to practice mindfulness when I'm drawing, so that if I notice I'm thinking about something that's not helpful in the moment, I come back to my breath or what I'm working on and try to get that clean slate again. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting how, I guess I notice it a lot through doing mindfulness practice 
when those moments arise where I realize I haven't been actually thinking about the the drawing for who knows how long. Yeah. And then I have to go back and look and be like, did I fuck up? <laughs> yeah. When in fact, no, not at all. And then it's this weird thing, like, you know, is this body just making the work at this point? Have I mastered it to that level where my mind can now wander and I can then check back and it's like it's still doing the same? Sure. I got to think you're, you're, you're touching on the same kind well, of thing. Well, that's the thing is know? like a lot of the time I, I'll just overthink things, you know. Sure. Um, I'm trying to problem solve and, and I just get wrapped up in that and kind of lose the moment. And yeah. if I can have a focus... Um, like an audiobook where I'm actively concentrating on yeah. listening to that, right. then I'm not over problem solving. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I hear you. What, uh, what kind of music were you listening to when you were a kid? Because I, I feel like you're such a metalhead. Did that happen early? No, that, that I was a late bloomer. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, my parents weren't super music people. Um, yeah. The earliest thing that I remember listening to... I guess to, that's true. You're kind of stuck listening to what your parents have around. Yeah, for sure. I was. Yeah. Um, and they didn't listen to a whole too. lot. My um, parents had records around and stuff. Cat Stevens was oh, wow. huge. Okay. And that was probably <laughs> one of my earliest was Cat Stevens. Huh. My aunt, I remember, had a Kansas point of no return on vinyl. Ooh. And I loved going over to her house to have her play that for us. And yeah. to me, that was like wild music, you know. Cause, Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. And Kiss, you know. I think I discovered every, Kiss early. Yep. Yeah. But the, that the was... The first I record I bought was Kiss. So I don't know. Gone. I don't know that Kiss was so much about the music for me as it was no. about the superheroes, you know? Oh, for sure. They were superheroes. And they were like trippy. It was a whole different... Because they were kind of devilish. Yeah. But they always had like adoring girls in the pictures. And it was just like, sure. okay. And those crazy boots. It was such a weird... Yeah. I used to throw Kiss concerts in the backyard. And oh, hell yeah. Turn, off, turn over the five-gallon plastic barrels and you know <laughs> drum <crazy>. solo <laughs> That's awesome. peter chris was my boy <laughs> yeah no i remember that too what was the sh was there a tv movie that was about yeah Kiss, the the phantom meets phantom of the park was that on tv like regular tv it was i feel like i remember I think it aired on that yep and i was little but i just remember being like what is this like it was again, so god awful like but it was so good <laughs> but it was kiss they were like I don't know. They were just so different. It yeah. wasn't like they were, you know, like trying to save the world. It was just about rocking the fuck out and getting chicks. <laughs> yep. And being badass. Killing robots. Right? Yeah, right? <laughs> That's what that was about. Oh, my God. That's so funny. That's so And funny. I, I've, I've since uh, discovered that uh, some of the members, like I think Peter Chris, was so fucked up throughout that the making of that that they had some other actor voice over his voice it's not even his voice like, oh shit they just kind of propped him up where they needed him <laughs> that's funny oh my god what how how long did you stay in pohake did oh, you I eventually was, move down to albuquerque yeah i moved in 92 i graduated oh, high school okay. in 92 but okay, uh so you did high school there yep that's cool and you did you date lorelei back then Early in high school, yeah. yeah for that's a little another bit. funny connection because Lorelai was my first girlfriend. Oh wow! I met her when we were in college. Uh huh. And it was just—I remember that. I don't know how that came around, but I yeah. remember her just being like, 
oh yeah, you probably know Leo. <laughs> Like, no way. <laughs> yeah, we, we dated. That's awesome. We dated for like six months. It was yeah. still. I was still really young. I was very. Sure, that's innocent. what she said. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Was she like the only blonde girl at the school? At oh the no, time? it was there tons. Was, there, were yeah. there? Yeah. <laughs> were there? <laughs> a, were there, there seats up there? Did you? There, there were. I, I know they're around there. They had a community out near Espanola, I believe, but right. I don't know. I don't think yeah. any went to school with me. Yeah. I was engaged to a seat girl later oh, really? on. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Wild. Yeah, that's so. So when did uh, when did the metal thing happen? You know, uh, I my so my parents are. Cause you play music too, don't you? Aren't yeah, you? yeah. Because yeah. I feel like I I've seen in... you on stage. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I know this. It's a big thing for you. And I'm just curious about how did that start. So. Um, the very beginnings of that were, uh, I think, ninth grade. I went to see uh, Logical Nonsense play with Grimple out in ah, Santa Fe. Right. And it blew. It, again, these moments that changed the, tra- to the trajectory. What, what I was year, already in the punk rock. What year would that have been that you saw them? 89. Uh, okay, so that's when I was graduating from Del Norte. I probably saw them around that time, too. Mm-hmm. That's but it crazy. blew my mind. It was like these guys are my age and they're raging, and I literally, <laughs> like within the month, I had formed my own band after yeah. going to see them. Do you, you feel know? like that they had a, a real like different sound? I feel like that they kind of. There's a lot of bands from New Mexico that are kind of like that now, mm-hmm. or have been over all those years. You know, since then, you know. Because sure. I remember it surprising the shit out of me when I first saw them play. It was just fucking wild. Yeah, they were amazing, like, man. I just mean, a wild show. Different than like a punk show. Like, I don't, you know? Like in the energy. It was such a great time too, dude, because it was so different. The, the whole scene, you know? Everybody, there was... Pre-internet. It was pre-internet. I mean, you know? Very, base, like. <laughs> very PC. Like, I was never vegetarian or anything but i remember all of the a lot of the punks in the scene were vegetarians sure i had um for, met my first straight edgers uh-huh. you know somebody went down in the pit everybody picked them up it was very non-violent there was a lot of politically political activism that's exactly what i remember and uh, like as far as it being cool yeah. to me like when i would go to punk shows if i fell down on the ground in the pit somebody was going to grab me now at a hardcore show Maybe not. Yeah. And they were a lot more dangerous, and that made me not go to live shows as much as a kid. Sure. Because that was different. But in the metal scene, it didn't seem to be as violent either. No, no. You know? I mean, but it's different now. Like, yeah, maybe now it is. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. I, saw, I, I watched, I think it was drugs, really, you know, in the scene. I saw... Drugs are a big influence on any scene, like, as far as, like, how they push a scene one direction or another yeah it, you know? everything became it, where everything once was very politically motivated and there was a, a lot of positivity and then things just got fucking dark and dismal and just kind of apathetic the 80s into the 90s yep. the 90s was a dark time yep you know it did get dark i feel like uh my friends that are bikers they all say that like the 90s it got fucked up it got super violent lots of guns yeah you know just uh uh, it it flipped you know the 80s was still a little bit kind of free free loving 
having a good time, sure. you know. But yeah, the '90s came around. It got loose. I mean, it's certainly even in the graffiti scene, it did that even locally here in Albuquerque for me, because that was the tag banging era was, say, 90 to 94, when mm-hmm. the graffiti writers were carrying guns and shooting each other. Jesus. And, uh, you know, we came from the hip-hop uh, way of understanding graffiti writing and how to handle beef nonviolently and sure. stuff. And that was a big deal for yeah. us when the kids started, you know, carrying guns and shit. You know, it was just like, what the fuck? But that was the fucking 90s. There was also a very, there was very much a contrast between the scene in Santa Fe and the scene in Albuquerque. Sure. Um, Santa Fe was that, you know, vegetarian, very kind of peace punk. They're very different places even today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Albuquerque was still fucking kind of like, you know, anarchy. Yeah. Uh, the, the, everybody fought, you know. Yeah. It, was, it was violent. Um, it could be violent. Um, well, even between I, the bands, there was <clears throat> very different. Yeah. Well, and, and then when know. I moved to Albuquerque, I continued playing in bands and stuff. Um, I ended up playing with Word Salad, touring with them for, right. for quite a bit. Yeah, I um, love Word Salad. I have a Word Salad record to this day. Awesome. It's so good. But yeah, I mean, just totally different scenes. And yeah. eventually, Santa Fe kind of melded with Albuquerque, and it seemed like there wasn't that distinction between the two scenes kind of disappeared. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That's rad. Did you do like the backyard parties and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, I did that too. It was like it was like a given that the band would play until the cops came. Sure. And it was just about how long you had until the cops arrived. And sometimes it was ten minutes. Sometimes it was, sometimes it was hours. You and never it's knew. funny how so like a handful of bands that played those backyard parties or whatever went on and and became huge. You know. Yeah, yeah I suppose that's true. Huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kailessa, they're. They're they're not really doing it anymore, but they rode a big wave, you know, uh-huh. and totally. uh, we're doing major all around the world. Yeah, uh, Spin magazine and shit like that. Sure, and, sure. And uh, man, we started out playing with those guys in yeah. the garage, you know. Sure, that's rad. That's rad. Well, where did um, tattooing come into the picture? I imagine it would have been around that time period. Were you, you know, getting tattooed in high school or anything? I was tattooing myself and, and some friends, but... Uh, How'd you get your hands on equipment? I, it was just homemade. You know what it was really was? Oh, straight up homemade? It like was, a Walkman? No, like thing? fucking... I saw like Decline, Decline of the Western Civilization and saw X tattooing each other with you know, needle and thread, oh, and those poking. are the first tattoos oh, I, I did. See. Yeah, hand-poked. Is, isn't it a trip how popular and people will pay for that nowadays? Oh, yeah. I like it. Yeah. I'm not against it. Absolutely. I mean, I've always been... It's even a little more refined than it was back then, you know? Oh, sure. I mean, people make tools. Yeah. You know, to make it easier. We were using safety pins, you know? Yeah. Well, and I've always had a love affair with uh, ancient um, tattoo techniques, like the Polynesians and the Maori. Sure. How they have different techniques to, to get it done. Yeah. You know, but it's all no motor you know, yeah. manual, kind of burly, can be dangerous. It's crazy, like, people. you know, <laughs> you got to sit there for three days and get your it's thing so done. gnarly. You and know? you don't have to, right? But as far as, like, how they do it, they're like, no, no, we're going to do this all at once. And yep. You might die. Yep. But that's what's going to make you or a warrior or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Earn the your, rite of passage. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want you if this is what kills you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's ruthless. Put them out at the edge of the yeah. forest. <laughs> but that's the thing. To me, you know, uh, a hand poke is, you know, it's just a, yeah, it's our current 
way of doing that sure. you know the manual way of putting a tattoo and yeah that's funny i saw the decline of the western civilization part one yeah and uh you know tell, the light bulb tell went young off people what that is oh so it's uh it was just a documentary on uh the early la punk scene um they did one on metal as well later on. I think they did a third one, but I never saw it. Mm. Um, but it was, you know, just a window into the scene at the time. And what was this? What were the years of that scene? Like, what I'm are we not talking? Sure, what the years were? I mean, it was again, mid eighties. It's, it's pre-internet, so yeah. those little like docs and stuff were really, really. Uh, like they had they captured a influence. moment. Oh yeah, yeah. Because on know, a generation, a VHS tape or something like that, you'd watch it over and over oh, and yeah. over and wore them out. <laughs> or you know, in that like hand poke little ten seconds, you know, you might slow it down and really like ponder it. Sure. And really trip out. Yeah. Yeah, that was, was the first the time the light video stuff. That was the first time that the light bulb went off, and I was like, oh, that's how you do it. Yeah. And I did one on Just myself, and then I started having friends wanting them. I actually had a high in so at a certain point in high school my art class the teacher I was the only kid that she just kind of let me do my thing. Um, I was you know away from the curriculum does that with those kids yeah it's like dude you're good you know it's a do your thing so we had like a wall that separated uh the back part of the room and she would let me go back there and do my thing and little did she know that at certain points i had a client quote unquote (laughs) you know sitting in the chair and i was doing hand poke tattoos back there in in school and i had a lookout And like prison, totally, <laughs> totally. That's funny. And when she, you know she'd be coming around to check on me, the lookout would run through to the other way. Client would hop up, and I'd grab my paintbrush and go back to oil painting. Wow. Do, do, do. Damn. And I always thought, man, you know, if I get busted, they're gonna kick me out of school here for sure. Maybe, maybe. And uh, I look back and think, man, I was probably the only kid who was on the job training in school. That's funny. <laughs> you know, that's funny. But they must have looked okay if other kids wanted them. Uh, I don't think that the kids that age are... I guess they're not really tripping, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I suppose that's true. That's funny. My, my first tattoo was uh, a grave. I gave my... I wanted, you know, I was a creepy little yep. goth punk kid. Sure. So I wanted a grave on my ankle, and so I drew the line for the ground... Yeah. And then I drew the grave up on top and filled it in black, and all Ooh. my friends were like, nice hat. Yeah. And I was I like, imagine. no, it's not a hat, it's a grave. And I'm like, yeah. nah, dude, that looks like a hat. That's funny. It would. It would just look like a big black hat. Yeah. Oh, that's hot. Do you still have that? No, it's the first thing that I covered up when I got professional equipment. Oh. And I kick myself to this day that I covered that. Like, yeah. you know, it was an ugly tattoo, but it was my first. It was a great story. Yeah, right. People have mixed feelings about getting rid of the old stuff yeah i've thought i've thought about doing a in loving memory of my first tattoo and actually getting a uh oh black hat a big giant hat with an (laughs) r.i.p on the brim (laughs) that's funny that's really funny yeah because a lot of people i feel like uh even our friends back then that started getting tattooed on their arms were like uh maybe don't do that because you know i'm already a little regretful of the stuff i've got sure. and it's like now i'm stuck and even our friends that became professionals that had like absolute garbage on their arms and all their yep. nice tattoos were hidden away and it's like how you present yourself you know oh. at a certain level it's like 
yeah, I'm I'm the best tattooer in town, and you're looking at their arms, and you're like, dude, you have the worst tattoos I've I almost, ever seen. <laughs> I almost, yeah, I almost used to judge people like how good they were by how shitty their tattoos were, <sighs> you know. <laughs> There, Especially mean, the the old school, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, like, I took I took that advice to heart, you know. And when I started getting tattooed, everything was hidden away, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I had a good half my body done that I started working on my arms and stuff. And then I ended up with bomb shit that's like yeah. gonna look awesome forever. For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I waited because everybody was like, Mike, don't just get the thing off the wall. Because you think it's cool right now. Like, give yourself 10 years to learn about tattoos and tattoo history. And then think about what you're going to rep with for the rest of your life on the visible spots. You know? Yeah. It's pretty, yeah. Yeah. It's funny like that. I guess I still have all my tattoos. I do. I I guess I redid one. I didn't, like, cover it up, like, the heart and my chest. I had it redone. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still the same tattoo in form. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, it just got fixed up. I've the had a couple minor funny. things covered up, but I, yeah. I live with everything, you know. Yeah, that's cool. I guess that was the big thing is that you know I never, I never thought this is what I'm going to do with my life. You know, <laughs> it was just something that I was interested in. I was always interested in exploring I, art. I was thinking that back then with tattooing. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you need to be really forward thinking to be like, I'm going to be a tattoo artist, because I feel like I didn't even. <sighs> well. Let, I guess we'll get in, we'll get into that, like because the, there's a particular part of your tattoo history that I know about that I want to get into a little bit. But how sure. how did how was the evolution of you getting involved with tattooing from hand poking in high school and then you moved to Albuquerque? Like when did you get your hands on real equipment and really start doing it? You know. So um, when I moved to Albuquerque and again, you know, hanging out in the punk scene. I started seeing people with tattoos that were just blew my mind. It was like n- I, the only tattoos I'd really ever seen were my uncle's old drunk sailor shit sure. that, you know, w- really looked bad. I think and I remember I, the same people literally that you're talking about. And it was the, the only thing that I had ever seen. Mind blowing shit. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, where'd you get that done? And uh, a lot of it was being directed towards Dano Sanchez. Mm. Um, and I knew him from, I had just met him really from the scene, but uh, didn't really know him, didn't know that he was what tattooing. Year was that? This had to have been like 92, 93. Oh, okay, even a little later on. Because I think I had known him through graffiti stuff since probably 90. Yeah, I moved here in 92, so okay. I didn't really know many people oh, out right, here. Right, right, because you can't, that's funny, I kind of. I and knew, was I really knew you were always in New Mexico, but I wasn't sure how long you'd been in Albuquerque. Yeah. You know? Okay, yeah. so you got there a little later on. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, and Dano was fucking killing it. He was killing it. And <laughs> he was. There he was, was killing it. Like, just, I'd never seen color tattoos like that, you know? And so that was the first time that I just sparked yeah. something in me. And again, it wasn't something that I was thinking that I was going to do forever. It was just another art medium to explore. Like, yeah, that's why I say that's how people approached it back then. Yep, you know. But upon getting equipment and st- I, I quickly decided that if I wasn't, uh, if I wasn't willing to make my mistakes on my own body, then I shouldn't be willing to make them on other people. Oh sure. So I started tattooing my legs, and it's really how I learned. Yeah, I did the same. You know, I tattooed my legs. And then. Uh, 
once I got equipment, started tattooing, man, it it took over. Yeah. You know, it, it's all I could think about. I um I always I wanted to be a painter for a living, yeah. and uh, painting became the hobby, and tattooing became like what I seriously applied myself towards. I remember when I first got into tattooing, which was years later. I didn't start until '98. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, uh, they they warned me like all this other shit that you're into, tattooing's gonna take over if you actually give it its time. It's gonna take over simply because it's so fucking difficult. Yeah, you know, and it's gonna frustrate the shit out of you, and it's gonna be on your mind constantly. Oh yeah. And to be really good at it, you have to like really, really throw a hundred percent at it. You know, my biggest regret is that I didn't get a, I didn't go through a traditional apprenticeship. Oh, this is um, good that we're talking about that. Yeah. Because it comes up a lot in my podcast interviews, mm-hmm. like whether to do an, a formal apprenticeship or not, or what are the options. So sure, sure. Let's talk about that. Well, you know, when I first wanted to get into this, um, I kept just running into closed door after closed uh, after closed door after closed door of like, you know, just the secrets were coveted and they weren't just given out freely. And I didn't understand that. I didn't understand why I, it frustrated me. It made me angry. I mean, even good friends like Dano, um, he, I constantly got the sure, come on over. I'll show you how to tune your machines. Every time I showed up, he was like, door was closed, you know, and I didn't understand why, but I persisted and I did it and I did it and I did it and I fumbled my way through it. And, you know, I really think that there was something that was gained in that experience. You know, I, I really proved that to myself that this was it, man. I was going to do this no matter what it took. And I applied myself at the same on the, the other end of that coin. I feel like because I went that route and didn't get the, uh, uh, you know, an official apprenticeship that I just wasn't, it took, it took me a whole lot longer to get to a certain place than it would have had I had that instruction, you know? Yeah, you think so? Absolutely. You, think you kind of had to muddle your way through Absolutely. things. Absolutely. I feel that way about painting too, you know? I quit, when I started tattooing, I quit school and said, fuck, I, I know everything about oil painting. I don't need teachers. <laughs> sure. And now as, you know, 45 years old and I'm like, Man, what could I? Where could I be had I gone continued? And uh, you know, and that that, uh, that too is a double-edged sword. That school is. You saw uh, me coming with that. Yeah. yeah, because again, like maybe now is the time that you need instruction. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. Which is fine. Which is rad because you're still, you know, it. it, it, it I guess the, it's like the uh, to me it's like a painter a painting teacher would look at. A tattoo you've made and just be like holy shit okay that's way more next level than a painting bro yeah and you do that professionally okay i can teach you some painting shit but you're already blowing my mind mm. you know what i'm saying we yeah. don't, i don't think we take stock of that sure to, you know so much and and that yeah you know now you know what to ask i guess the big you, thing you know? too was that you know i wasn't going to the greatest art school you know no and <laughs> 
the teachers there wanted me to, the, the, you're, if you're going to learn how to paint, a teacher's going to teach you how they paint, how, you know, their route, yes. how they do things. Um, my art teachers, For right from the, or worse, yeah, right? right from the yeah. get go, they were like, no small brushes. I want you to use these big giant brushes. It's like, that's not how I paint. That's so you're not, not how you paint. You're not that. here. You're not here <laughs> to learn how to paint or you're not here to do your own thing. You're here to learn to paint and then you can do your own thing and yeah. i was like fuck you and left right. um but again that's the thing you were already a painter and yeah. even among the kids in the class like well of course he left he's already a painter like yeah. whatever yeah i had a conversation with one of my favorite artists uh boris vallejo mm. and i asked him about this you know like what's your take on art school and 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 i explained my situation and he said you know what art school is if you can find a teacher that paints the way you want to paint it generally then absolutely it's it's invaluable but if you're not if you don't have that teacher then they're only going to teach you how they do it and that's probably not how you want to do it yeah. so he said the that to him the best thing is to and which is what i do now is attend like conventions and and uh, symposiums oh, right. from artists that you admire that you want to learn from and that's more you know that's art school man and we have access to that now where <laughs> back then we didn't you know yeah listeners that's that's a big one right there you know it's like school or go right to the source yeah yeah no, I, you know. I, I mean, I, there's online fucking I, painting classes now that you can learn from the guys you admire. Exactly. Exactly. And it's and it costs, but shit, it's cheaper than art school. <laughs> yeah. But again, if you don't know, like, you just have this urge to be a painter and it's in your heart. I can see just going to a school and trying it all out. You know what I mean, yep. and and sure. try to find uh, your your thing. Oh, you there's a I mean? place I mean, for all of it. That's the for thing. Sure. For some of us, I think we understand what we really like early, yeah, and are able to just hone right in. You know what yeah. I mean. But I do know there's that contingent of art student that just kind of shrugs their shoulders and is like, I don't want to go to a regular college, so I'll go to art school. Sure. Without much direction. But can come out of it like, oh, fuck yeah, I love ceramics, or I love video, mm -hmm. and now I'm going to go on and do that, you know? I remember a uh, college professor, art, art teacher, that told me something along the lines of, you know, you're too rigid, you're like, it's like you have this style and you want to do art in this style, but you're in beginner art classes and this is about exploration and not adhering to a style. Later on, you will develop that and know what you want to do. And my thoughts were, well, I'm already there. I know what I want to do and I know what style yes. I'm doing. Yes. What's funny about that, though, is looking back to where I'm at now and I don't think that I can't pigeonhole that I had... I mean, there's a certain look to what I do, for sure. Yeah. But I don't have, like, oh, he's the guy that does that, or, you know. My shit's kind of all over the place. I never, I never... I'll say, though, like, it's kind of like, from my graffiti writer's perspective, mm -hmm. it's about having an individual style that's recognizable no matter what you do, and you've achieved that. Okay, yeah. You know, so, like, because you do 
uh, you know, like just even recently, I saw that gorgeous uh, dragon scene. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got your, like, biomech madness going on over here. And it's like, they're very different in subject matter. But I the guess way that's that what I'm saying. But the way that painted is so you. And I can tell right away, you know? And it's... Uh, and, and I think awesome. that, Good that's, to hear the, that. <laughs> that's the point. And that's the same thing with your tattoos. I mean, again, that's the thing with tattooing. We never know what subject matter our customers are going to throw at us. Yeah. But again, everything that you do has a look that is recognizable. Sure. Which I think is really uh, dope. Which kind of like, how, how did your tattoos on your own body evolve? Like, how did you start to get to know who is the good people and go hunt them down and... Because you, you know, ended up with a dope suit. You know, a lot of it was, uh, in the early days, tattoo magazines and catching, you know, right. artists. like Tattoo Artist magazine? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, international. What was the one? <laughs> was it? Yeah, right? Was Just it Tattoo t- Flash, you know? <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. Even way before, like, Tattoo Artist magazine. But, yeah, this but also thing. conventions, you know? Ones. Going to conventions and just looking at artists. It... Floors Did me. you travel for conventions? Yeah, a little bit. Not like uh, to where? My first convention was the second Ink Slingers Ball in L.A. Uh, so Los Angeles. What year would that have been? That would have been, I believe, ninety-three. Wow. Maybe ninety-four. Yeah. Fun time to be yeah. at a tattoo convention in Los oh, Angeles. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was shit. exciting. Oh <laughs> that. Wow. And it, uh, but and it's lost my it's luster for me. You know, like yeah. I. I mean, conventions are still an energy, but I'm a homebody, man. I don't well, like... You're also a master, you, you know? Like, at a certain point, there's not much to get from sitting around watching other yeah. people tattoo. Yeah. But, again, like, yeah, you're first networking and things. you go to a convention, and all of the A-list people, like that Bay Area convention that's, like, just invitation only, yeah. that's insane. Oh, yeah. Like, booth after booth of the A-list, you know? Oh, yeah. If you're a young tattooer... Yeah, you see those motherfuckers just sitting there and just studying, you know, and then they'll move over to the next booth and they'll sit there for 15 minutes and eyeball somebody and oh, yeah. move to the next booth, you know? God, that would have been incredible early on. I, I mean, I went to a few conventions, but not, not so much. I th- that's the thing. By the time I started tattooing in 98, it was already kind of a cat out of the bag who was dope and who was not and what yep. was going on. And I was in fucking San Francisco. You yeah. know what I mean? Was, oh, yeah. Like, You're in the hub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everywhere yeah, yeah, you looked. Yeah. Well, like, how did, like, is this a Guy Atchison sleeve on your left arm? So, Guy did the top part. And oh, that's right. Guy Gr- did the top. Grime did the bottom. Oh, right. And it's yeah. pretty seamless. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Wow. And that's so, how did that come about? I mean, did you, when did you run into Guy? So that was, I think it was the National Tattoo Convention. I think that's what it was. I may be wrong on the on the title of that, but it was in Denver, and it was just at a at a you know convention. Yeah. And what he year was that? started it. I think this was like ninety six. Okay, so a few years later. Yep. And you'd you'd heard about guy and seen his work. Yeah, he blew my I mind. I remember seeing his flash, and you're used to seeing sailor shit or cholo shit oh, yeah. in Albuquerque, and then all of a sudden there's these like chrome biomechanical Those shapes and things. For sure. And it was like, what the fuck is? That's a tattoo design that I can pick. Yeah. I remember specifically going to Route 66 tattoo, and there was one sheet that was guys, and it was up pretty high. Mm-hmm. And I would come in there with my skateboard, and I would just stare at that for as long as they'd let me before they kicked me out. 
Yeah. They'd always be like, hey, are you going to buy a tattoo or are you just here fucking checking shit out? And I'd be like, I'm just looking at this one, man. It's amazing. They're like, you got to get out of here, kid. Well, when like, I, all right, all right. When I went to talk to him, the, you know, there was, so mind-blowing. there was people in front of me, and I remember the lady in front of me, she, sh- she showed him a, uh, a picture of a, a drawing of a revolver, and she was like, I'd like something like this with the ribbon and, like, my kids' names and da-da-da-da. He was very grateful, graceful and said, well, you know, if I don't book out, I might be able to take some stuff on, but I'm looking to do certain things that I want to do here, and if I can book those, that's what I'll be taking on. So let me get your information, I'll let you know. And, you know, I was next in line, and I was like, uh, I want you to do whatever you feel like doing here at this <laughs> convention, <laughs> you yeah. know? And that's how it happened. Yeah. And we finished it. Um, fuck, it was like, I think a few years later, I caught him at another show. Was it in, I think it was in San Francisco. Oh. And we finished it in his hotel. He, like, he wasn't yeah. even tattooing on the floor. And it's funny. What year was that one? I think I remember that one. That had to have been like 98. Because, yeah, that's about the year like I started. 98, I feel like Paco like Excel might have gotten a huge tattoo at that show. In I remember room, I saw... Like Gr- Trevino or somebody. I saw Grime at that show for the first time. And it's funny, oh, yeah. like... He caught my eye, and I thought, ooh, I got to get something from that guy at some point. Yeah. And, you know, a decade and two or two later, he finished off the piece that guy started. Yeah. You know? Oh, it was that much later. Yeah. Huh. Because, again, it just looks so yeah. seamless. Like, even all the color that guy put in well, there. Well, he, he, we, he, yeah. we, I went and got a, a, a polish on it. Oh, okay. Right before oh, Grind nice. started the lower part. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. It still looks amazing. Who did your other sleeve? Dano. Dano did that Dano, except for uh, Mike Davis did this. Oh, cool. At the, uh, in fact, at that first convention that I did. Oh, uh, Mike um, Davis from Everlasting? Yeah. Oh, it was sick. it was at the Ink Singers Ball, my first convention wow. I ever attended. He he. Damn, right on your forearm. Yep. Nice one. <laughs> the alien. Yep, alien queen. That's so rad. That's cool. He doesn't remember it. <laughs> I imagine. But yeah, so long. I imagine. I mean, do you remember every single fucking tattoo you've Absolutely done? Absolutely not. How could you? That's the funny thing. I always get it, you know, on the phone. Hey, oh, you yeah. remember me? It's John. John. You're like, John with the tribal. Oh, yeah, John, oh, with, the God, tribal. John with the tribal. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. But I'll, like, run into people at different places, and I'll recognize their face and just be like, oh, hey, I know you, don't I? Oh, yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we, we're, I'm from Frisco, and they're oh, that's cool. And they're like, I remember doing this tattoo on me. And they'll show me and I'm like, wow, I don't remember doing that at all. It'd be a big one that was like a four session tattoo. And I'm like, holy shit, that looks crazy. I don't remember doing it, but it's certainly as obvious that I did. Well, that's what led to me getting the polish on the guy piece was that uh, we were doing the Paradise Art Retreat together. And he he didn't remember me, but he looked at my arm and he was like, "Ooh, I remember that." Yeah. And then you know, got us talking and. That's cool, that's cool. Um, But I remember early in into getting tattoos, I wanted to get my own designs. In fact, that alien queen on my arm that Mike did, he wanted to do his own thing with it, and I said, "Ah, I really want it as close to my drawing as possible because it's all and." you know, anatomically correct to the movie. And so he said, okay, and did it. But 
over time and getting tattoos, I realized that, man, that shit's dated. Like, I see my artwork every day. So oh. I can look back and go, man, I do snakes so much better now than I did then. I know. And if I get <laughs> other people's artwork, it's not dated. They've, they've totally surpassed what they did on me, but I don't see it every day. And it still looks just as good as it did the day they put it on there, you know? I learned the same fucking lesson, <laughs> Absolutely. Dude. Yeah, my back... Uh, is stuff that I drew mm-hmm. and it's so dated yeah it totally just looks like that style that I was using early or that would have been late 90s it's the know? spiel I give everyone that walks <sighs> into the shop with a drawing you know yeah. can you do this and I say yeah let me tell you a story I guess it depends yeah you know sometimes it's I've like been blown a, away by some people's drawings that they brought in thing you know? that they want to be a marker of that particular time and they're not worried about you know sure sure uh you know like i have a friend in italy that has only been tattooed by total amateurs Mm -hmm. so her her whole suit is just the wackiest little scrubby she has she's like literally children tattoo her like whoever and Mm -hmm. it looks so fucking great but it's janky. It also yeah. looks fucked up, you know? But it's part but of the aesthetic. Everyone has such a great little story. Sure, man. Every single one. You it's know? like the hat. Oh, my <laughs> God. And it's this wonderful thing about, like, I just love to just point and be like, tell me about that one, you know? And she'll have this great little story. Sure. It's, it's so fun. And, and really, the tattoos are, like I say, they're pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For the most part, you know? I have some like that, though. I, I've let friends tattoo me that were amateurs, just like wrote their name in me. My buddy John mm-hmm. wrote his name right there. But that I, I like that. Like, even now, kind of, if I'm going to get tattooed, I'll get like four or five words on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the one thing you say no to somebody getting yeah, a yeah, tattoo. Yeah. Like, don't put any words on you at all. No, sure. no, no, no. I have talked so many cu- customers out of just getting words. But you're past you know? that, man. And now I'm just like, oh no, all I want is like little initials, words, you know, phrases. It doesn't even have to be like a person's name, you know, like nicknames. Or logos, sure. just bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I'll put them over like good ones now, just like kind of well, whatever. Fun tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun that way. Yeah. 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 I like when people ask me how many tattoos I have, and I'm just like, oh man. I always tell them one. Yeah, I tell <laughs> them that too sometimes. Just one. It's become one. Yeah. You know, that is. It's bizarre, isn't it? So, how did your how did things professionally evolve for you in tattooing? Like, did you guys open a shop pretty soon once you got pretty good? Or no, I still yeah, I slogged it out. I yeah. sl- I worked I worked for at home for about six months, and then I got a I job at a shop yeah. and uh, you know did scrubbed all the tubes and made all the needles and yep. did that earned yep. my keep. Yep. And then uh, actually, Dano and gave me a shot at the old hardware. Um, old hardware yeah 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 and i think that's where i got a tattoo from dano was at hardware yep that was the first time i saw you it was at that shop yeah and it was a big deal for me too because it was the first color bomb kind of tattoo it was a balinese mask yeah uh i think i knew he liked doing them and he was just like fuck yeah and to this day it looks fucking bananas Mm -hmm. it's insanely detailed 
And in Dano fashion, I think he was four hours late for the appointment. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking at four least you got hours. it. At least you got it that day. Oh, that's the thing, dude. It was so. Oh, it was just funny. I remember being with Lorelai, sitting in the lobby, and just being like, "Did I just? Did I blow it? Like, we, there was no pagers. There was no cell phones. You were just like, he told lot me of- this time I'm here, and then." You, you know, I'd leave and come back, and yeah, and then finally he showed up, and he was just like, "All right, I'm, I'm, I'm ready." And I was just like, "What was up?" And he's like, "Dude, I, I just, the drawing had to be perfect, and like, I know you live in San Francisco now, and everybody's gonna look at it, and it's got to be perfect, and I had to get everything like perfect." And I was like, "All right, like, it looks good. Let's do it." The thing is, is that you oh, could get away with that back then because there wasn't that was you the know, business. wasn't twelve <laughs> shops on every block, so you could, no, you know, if no, somebody no. wanted to get tattooed by you, they were gonna wait no yeah. matter what, you know. Well, I, I tell people, yeah, that like tattooing used to be a business, one of the few, where it was pretty much guaranteed that you were gonna have to pay an asshole to do what you wanted to do for you. Yep. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, sometimes mechanics were that way. Yeah. Just oh, rough yeah. and like, you fucking idiot. Like, yeah, leave sure. your fucking car. Whatever. And Bye tattooers tell- could be like that because they were just like, yeah, you can go the fucking asshole up the street because you don't like my attitude, but you're going to get a piece of shit from that It's not like that anymore, man. You know? No, it's no. No, I, no. I tell, I tell people all the time, like, you know, or, or other artists that, you know, potentially work with us or what have you, and I, the first thing that I say is, you know... Somebody will go get a mediocre tattoo down the street from somebody who makes them feel great than to get a great tattoo from somebody that makes them feel mediocre, you know? Yeah, no. Even among, like, the young people that I helped get uh, started in the tattoo business, I I tried to pound that into them. Like, you got to be really, really nice because that's what's going to make people come back. It was one of the the earliest lessons in tattooing, I think, for me, was watching um, other people... And just the attitude and the ego and, and it's just early on, I was like, man, I just, I don't, this is not what I'm, who I am or what I want to be. And, uh, I'm glad that I learned those lessons early, you know, because it it was a different scene back then. You know, I remember that first tattoo convention I worked and, you know, I was green right out there, you know, and there was some big shots coming around and, you know, I felt this big, you know, felt this small. Yeah. And, uh, that's, you know, that that is such a generational thing to me. Totally. You know, I got, I got, uh, I went to do a tattoo convention in Dallas, probably, 2001 or so mm-hmm. and I had gotten in touch with uh, oh, with Richard Stell oh, yeah. to get tattooed by him while I was in Dallas um, and I even uh, stayed an extra two days after the convention so he could just tattoo me at his home shop so he wasn't have to deal with convention bullshit mm-hmm. I tried to do it right you know I'm a tattooer I remember he came to the booth where I was working, me and George Campisi, and he had hella, like, tough-ass attitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just, like, totally thrown by it. And he was just like, yeah, you know, I understand you want to get tattooed by me. Are you the guy? And I was like, yeah, I'm not so sure now, though, dude. Can I come talk to you later somewhere? I'm working on a tattoo right now. And he was like, yeah. And I went later on and was just like, hey... 
like you're kind of coming off hard here dude like do you not want to tattoo me like what's sure. the deal and he was just like oh no it's nothing like that man and and then he was really cool mm-hmm. you know but i just had to like clear the air i just didn't get it because i was like yeah if you're gonna be a dick like fuck this like sure. I, I, you're an amazing tattooer but pfft, i'm from frisco dude like <laughs> go get some bomb shit from somebody else you yeah. know whatever i don't give a yeah. shit and I ended up having a wonderful time with him. Awesome. We kicked it. He tattooed both of my feet the same day. I remember his uh, machine died at some point, and he just literally whacked it on the side of the table, and it started back up Fuck again. Fuck yeah, the, finished the Arthur Fonzarelli method. Oh, my God. <laughs> he actually fucking did that, and it actually fucking worked. <laughs> I couldn't hey, fucking we, believe we it. We should try that with the other mic. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, right? Just smack the mic. Jesus fucking Christ, if that would work, oh, that would make me happy. But I just, oh man, and just the, the, the tales of him, you know, tattooing bikers out of the back of an El Camino in the open air in the summertime and having like mosquitoes fly in between the spring and the contact points. Holy shit. Keeps going out and you keep having to flick mosquitoes out and you're like wiping, mos- <coughs> wiping mosquitoes into tattoos as you're cleaning it. You know Holy what I mean? shit. Like, oh man, that shit is so great. And that's something I love about, you know, his generation. You know, it's it, it, it's such a great, it can be a great experience. But again, we had to get over this hump of like there, attitude. There was something to like. be said about the old tattoo mystique. You know, the tattoo shop was a scary place, you know, sure. and they were pirates. Ed Hardy's a sweetheart, but I've seen him fucking yell and get, get loose in yeah. his own shop. I mean, yeah. he's still like, he ain't fucking around. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. God damn. So... You guys, so did you end up working at Hardware? Yeah, I ended up working with at Hardware with right. Dano, and okay. shit, we were together, I think like 12 years, 12 and a half years that we yeah. tattooed together. Right. It was after Hardware that we went up and uh, we started the Lucky 13 thing um, oh, right. with the Madrids. Yep. But we were still weren't owners, we were working for them, they kind of fronted the money. and Yeah, I remember all we that. We worked with them. Totally. And, uh, Madrid bail bonds. Yeah. Yeah, and get, go into business with the bail bonds guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good or wool, really, man, I guess. That was, again, another era, right? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, right. No, no. No, I remember that. And, and it was that... after that that we left and opened up 10 and 1, which was our own shop for the first time. Ah, right. Because I think I tattooed there on, a, like, a guest uh, occasion mm-hmm. here and there, upstairs. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And you were upstairs too, right? Yep. The hottest room in the house, man. Oh, it was such a funny. And it was a it was just a a little house. Yeah. Like straight up. It was like a two bedroom, two bedrooms upstairs with yep. a bathroom. But you were basically in the roof, like the roof pitched. Yeah, I was right in the pitch the, part of the yeah. roof and it was like the AC would go out half the time. Yeah, yeah, your room was gnarly. Yeah, and Dano it was, was haunted, was man. Downstairs. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, some weird did they things. move the whole building somewhere? Yeah, they so they so it could still be haunted just somewhere. Else. I have always thought that. I'm like, did the go is the thing still in on the that house property, or, is it on or the property? did it move? Because it's right now uh, across the way from the frontier. Now it's on Cornell and Silver, weird. ten and one building, huh. and it originally was over on Martin Luther King Drive. 
Yeah, because I thought that that was it was such a small house that yep. it had just they just literally would undo it from the utilities and move it. That's why all the door jams were all janky and the doors didn't quite close right because weird. of those moves, man. Yeah, god damn, that place was fun. Yeah, because there's a good vibe there. So I'm trying to think, like when I moved, I moved back to Albuquerque in 2003. And that's yeah. when you guys had that shop, right? Yep. And we closed up. And I'd to... already probably done some guest spots there by then. Yep. Yeah, because I remember working there a bunch. Well, when did we open Stay Gold? That was 2004. Okay, so that yep. was just the next and year. And it was basically 10 and 1 with another name, you know? It was minus exactly. one guy. Exactly. Nah, that was the shit, too. So people always ask me about how long Stay Gold and I said, well, you know, since 2004, but really since 2000. So it always, to me, felt like the same business. Yeah. Well, we just you crossed the parking lot as, yeah. as far as you moved locations. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we stayed, and we stayed on Gold Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, that was a really fun time. The whole build-out of the shop was really fun. You yeah. know, I'd always had, you know, visions of doing that and how fun that might be or how much of a nightmare it could be. 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because I was working, yeah, because by then I'd already put it, I was, had worked a few years at Everlasting, uh-huh. and Mike Davis built that shop out like it was a fucking piece of art itself. Yep, like absolutely. Every wall was painted, Still all is. the pillars. <laughs> That's the thing, he hasn't had to change it at all. It was fucking amazing to begin with. Yeah. It's still like a landmark destination kind of place. Mm-hmm. But I can remember that was the gauge of like, Okay, it's not going to be as cool as Everlasting, but I can learn some lessons from <laughs> what they did there. And, you know, it was nice. I enjoyed tattooing there a lot. Yeah. You know, that was, a, it was a really fun. Like, uh, yeah. And crazy, too. Like, when fucking Dano's super gangster homies would show up for like a 10 p.m. appointment. Yeah, that's, and then that was a whole nother like, era too. <laughs> get there until like one o'clock and you're just like, what the fuck, you know? And I feel like, and our, like we split it up as a co-op, which I thought was a really fun and great way to, yeah. a friendly way to open a business, you yeah. know? So we just split the bills. It was really, really simple, mm-hmm. you know? There was, yeah, that was so rad. I feel like so many people can complicate that. You know, but oh, yeah. really, we were just like a few individual guys that enjoyed working together and uh, just needed a place to work. And sure. like, why not just do it together? Mm-hmm. And fucking. It uh, was simpler, man. <laughs> fucking Steve's customers, too, that would come oh, in for God. like branding and cutting and piercing and it, like the. You'll fucking what take your it, nipples off and put them on your eyelids. And, <laughs> you know? Oh, and I watched him uh, cut homie's tongue that one afternoon, cut it in half. Fucking pointing man, ears. <laughs> that shit was pretty fun. I it's remember wild. I'd come in and sometimes it would smell like there were mushrooms cooking. And it was because he was branding yeah, somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Shiitakes. Yeah, dude, you think the same thing? <laughs> yep, it was the same thing. Oh, that's so I funny. Like, oh, I don't man. even know. We've talked about that before. That's what I always used to call it when mushrooms. I'd run in, you know, run into like the shop. Like, fucking shiitakes, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That was some <laughs> wild shit. Because i just, like, take a break to step outside and smoke a joint and let the client chill out for a little bit, check their phone. And I'd come back, and some girl would have, like literally parts of her skin removed on her stomach and stuff you know it's yeah. just like 
Wow, you guys just did that? Like I saw I saw a client that was I saw a client that was eating their own skin as he was removing it, man. Oh wow. (laughs) I guess it could get weird like that. Yeah, it was wild. I'll say though, I did I really thought Steve was quite a professional. Sure. I remember there was somebody I feel like that wanted a certain kind of uh, piercing so it would kind of come out through their forehead or something that you could screw in a, you know, a, a spike to. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't done it, so he did it to himself first mm-hmm. in the mirror. No anesthetic. He cut like a little line at the edge of his yep, hairline. I remember the front, that. Pushed it down <laughs> his forehead until it got like right between his eyes and then cut another hole and popped the thing through. Were you watching that Fucking too? Fucking wild, yeah. When he did that? Yep. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I think it's... I, I would think that would hurt just even, you know, uh, separating your your skin from the... The fascia. The and, fascia, yeah. right. Oh, my God. Yeah. And just in the mirror himself, like, jammed Dun, it in doo-doo. there. Yeah. But he got it. He did it. Yeah. Oh, my God. That shit was fucking crazy. Yeah, dude. He's ballsy for sure. <laughs> right? God, yeah. I got to get him on the podcast. Like, that whole story about how he ended up in New Mexico is so good. (laughs) So good. Yeah. And he would always, uh, he'd always be reading, too. Mm -hmm. He was, like, the strangest, like, kind of dude. Like, he had tattoos. I think he might have been the first person that I tattooed on on their face. And he already had some tattoos on his face. I was like, yeah, dude, fine. I remember, I remember at 10 no and 1, he used to do the suspensions out in the courtyard. You know, we'd have big parties, and there's yeah, people I used to go to those parties hanging from the trees and yeah, shit. Yeah. And the, the guy who owned the little Middle Eastern restaurant next door, I, at one point, I saw him out there with his family, like on the back porch watching, and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to go yeah. try to go do some damage control. So I went over there, and I said, hey, uh... How's it going, man? Pretty, pretty crazy, huh? And he's like, yeah. And he asks me, when are they going to kill him? I was like, what do you mean? He thought it was a public lynching and oh that they God. were going to fucking kill the oh guy when it was over. Oh <laughs> and I was like, gosh. no, man, they're doing this for fun. Wow. <laughs> Damn. That's good that Culture you told them shock. what was up. No shit. Yeah, it's terrible because they definitely have a lot of fun doing that. They yeah. like swing out over the crowd. I saw shows they did at Launchpad that got crazy. Yeah. He's uh he's touring with Jane's Addiction nowadays and doing wow. like a that's part of their stage shows. Steve fucking Albuquerque crew shit. doing suspensions. Yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, at, at what point did you become a father? Oh, when I hit 30 years old. 30. <laughs> that happened. That happened. My sister, I think. Well, yeah, I think she was 30. Yeah. Maybe earlier. That's cool. Cause you I, know? Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm That's not ready cool. for this. And I come to realize you're never ready for it. You know? No, it happens. How could you be? Yeah. yeah. It, I always tell people it's the, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me, and it's the hardest job I've ever had in my life. Yeah, right? Yeah. He's cool, though. Yeah, absolutely. I like him a lot. He's a little mini-me. Yeah, but he he doesn't want to go outside. Like I'm begging him to go outside, ride a fucking bike, yeah, do something, and he just wants to, to be you. hunched over a piece of paper drawing. Yeah, no, that's just it, man. We're yep. the same way, yep. right? Yeah, totally. What was it that I? Oh, I wanted to ask you about Warhammer. 
because you got real into Warhammer. And, oh, yeah. Uh, for the people listening, Warhammer is another a role-playing game. It's like a tabletop battle. Of, like Dungeons and Dragons, but sure. different, yeah. right? Like, yeah. what would be the main difference? It's more... Uh, it's more of a strategic battle game rather than Dungeons and Dragons is more storytelling and, and yes. creating a story with right. your friends. Whereas Warhammer's competitive. You've got two opposing guys, two opposing armies. You, right. you paint up little figurines and build out your army, and then right. battle on the tabletop. Right. Uh, well, yeah. Isn't some of the uh, the role of the dice? how far you can move on yeah, the playing I mean, field Yeah, I mean, there's so many rules. That's, that's the thing that it's I like, found interesting. It's chess with a 400-page rule book, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you particularly got uh, super skilled at the paint in the miniatures, yeah. right? I mean, I competed, won awards and stuff. Yeah, I competed in the Golden Demon. Again, it was a childhood dream demon? man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Golden Demon so. <laughs> Where was that? Five-time Golden Demon champion. You are. Yeah. Wow. I never got the Slayer Sword though. That was what the 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 two coveted back in the day. The two most coveted prizes were getting the Forge World Best of Show and the Slayer Sword. I did win the the Forge World Best of Show, but I got beat out for the Slayer Sword. And it was a giant like two-handed sword that was the trophy. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Where do they do that convention? It's so a Warhammer convention? Yeah, Games wow. Day. Um, they used to do, there was several out in Europe, and there was, I believe, three in the States. It was Chicago, uh, L.A., fuck, I can't remember where the other one was. Yeah. Might have been D.C. Sure. But anyhow, um, they don't even do them anymore. They, they've, they've, uh, it, it, they've, they do other painting contests. And, I see. But it's not the same, man. Yeah. Yeah. Before we did it, it was it wasn't even. That's why for, I ask you about it? Yeah, it, I was, it was. I've always been so fascinated by it. And when you'd come into the tattoo shop with a new one, and I'd look at it under a magnifying glass, it was just like holy shit! Like you were painting those things with single fucking hairs and shit. Yeah, this is insane. The level of detail, and you literally have to look under a magnifying glass to like really see the thing. Like that's what I tattooed on you, right? You gave yeah. me a figure. Yeah, the, the troll. The troll. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I and I I remember really enjoying drawing from life, like mm-hmm. it was an actual thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh well, how would I draw this thing? And I was able to just turn it and see the details, like. Oh, that's part sure. of the cloak, or that's part of the boots, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a fun tattoo to do too. Yeah, it's crazy how how uh, again that jaunt to the bookstore and picking up the Hobbit, and yeah. how much that shit permeates my life now. You know. Sure. I, well, I guess you were kind of joking about that as far as uh, you'd be competing against teenagers at these. Uh, Warhammer uh, miniature contests and stuff sometimes. Some of some of times, but the sometimes. the the big one. I mean, there was some pretty Mostly serious guys. Guys that were Sean really Warcott, who also tattoos. Um, mm. He uh, he also compete competed. In fact, oh, he tattooed me way back in the day, and we uh, you know lost touch. It was at that first tattoo convention. Fucking full circle, dude. How many dude. tattoos did you get at that first convention? Two. I got oh, the just one the from... Oh, two. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was starting was, to be like, wow. I mean, did was, you just go nuts? It was uh, Mike Davis and Sean Warcott. Yeah, and I got a little small one from him. Okay. But um, I didn't even know that we were competing or, or didn't remember him. Uh, and it was... 
it wasn't till later when we both made the magazine, he reached out to me and said, hey, do you remember me? I'm like, That's oh, funny. shit. Warhammer, hammer, hammer, hammer. It was, it was one, one of us. Yeah. You played at the shop, right? You I played the, it at the shop. Now I played at home, but, you know, yeah. back you then You still was, playing now? Yeah. Yeah. Weren't you guys playing for beer or something or money back then? No. I feel like, yeah, it was we just of, drank you know, a lot of beer we while we were playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Because you play for hours, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, six hours plus. Six? Wow. Yep. And how does it, like, is that when you just kind of get tired of it or is it really? No, and there's a clear like winner, yeah. Somebody has destroyed the other's army. And Objectives like, have been obtained or. They're fucked, they're done. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty rad. It's funny, too, that back in, you know, growing up, when I first discovered all this shit, I never had anybody to play with. So I never played these games. I just read them. Yeah. I, I, like, ate up the books voraciously, and I painted the miniatures, but I didn't have anybody to play with. And now, as an adult, I get to relive my childhood and actually play the goddamn game. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You know, I've been interested in playing Dungeons & Dragons. I play every I, Monday, man. I, do you? Yeah, to this day. Every single Monday. I'll come play. Because I hadn't... I, I, you know, I played a lot as a kid, and uh, it was really fun. I remember it's, really really having a good time and it was such an imagination thing absolutely a good dungeon master was worth gold God, there's so many actors directors you know writers out there that that's where it started yeah you know yeah have you seen stranger things oh yeah yeah you like that's it great that's neat huh yeah isn't absolutely. it it's like a nice nostalgia uh, yeah it's it, yeah and it's, and it's cool because it's like it's pretty legit but it's stylized, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and of course sure. it's it's fantasy, you and know. And D is so much so, cool. so much more popular than it ever has been because of that show, you know. Really? Oh yeah. Even it's, back in the day you think it's more popular absolutely, now? Absolutely. I had no idea. The other thing huh. is is that when we were kids and playing this Nerds played this game, you know what I oh, mean? Oh no, we were we, terribly ostracized for yeah, playing yeah, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. Hot chicks didn't play D and D. That's why I didn't lose my virginity till college. But you know what? <laughs> fucking hot chicks fucking collect comic books and play D and D and paint miniatures now. I guess there's some yeah, at some of the art nights like that I've gone to, you know, there's there's some like people that are that way. They're like into those old kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking too, like, who, what do you do nowadays that keeps your attention for six hours like that? You know uh, what I mean? Like, play games. That's the only. Yeah. Games are art. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because that's the thing. Even art, man. Like, man, I'd have to take a few breaks if I was going to be drawing for six hours. Sure. That well, even just, with even in the six-hour game, man, we're you we're taking breaks. breaks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's probably why it takes six hours. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. So what's going on uh, these days? I mean, I know the tattoos you've been doing lately are fucking amazing as usual. Thanks, man. They keep getting better and better. Same with your paintings. Like, where's your life at these days? You know, I think these days I, I, I'm just concentrating on whatever is making me happy in the moment. You know what I mean? I don't have the urgency to try to achieve this with tattooing or to do this painting or whatever you know it's like if i feel like painting i paint yeah. um tattooing i'm there four days a week and i'm working when i'm there you know yeah. and i still bust my ass on that yeah but i love it yeah and it affords me 
to be able to, for the rest of my week to choose what the fuck do I want to do. Well, you and know? you've been doing different shit. Like, that's another thing I've noticed. I feel like we used to joke, you know, if I'd be like, yo, bud, I'm going hiking. And you'd be like, yeah, I'm not. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but you've been going out. Like, yeah. you like to actually go out in the woods. I mean, I always thought you were, like, such this, like, goth, dark dude that would just draw, like, a giger shit in a dark room all the time. And it was just like, oh, let's go out and do something. And you'd be like, oh, no, I'm good. But I, I see your feet now, and it's just like, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, totally, dude. It's called getting old, man. It's kind You're of assessing priorities, right? It's trying to fucking do something about back problems, and you know, oh, there's that too. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's part of it. That's your, where your that's where it comes starting from. Starting to get yeah. That's a big I mean, reason that I stopped tattooing fuck, full time. I've had back and arm and hand issues since the '90s, you and have. I pursue. I, mean, I, I persevere. But That's nowadays, now it's those that, things. It's the gym. It's the mountain that keeps me going. Like yeah. I need to do it, or yeah. I can't continue to do what I do. Yeah. So that that was the impetus for me sure. getting on the mountain and hiking. And lo and behold, I discovered I fucking love it. You know, it feels good. Uh, yeah. Can you even rationalize it, or does it just feel good? Is it just like this base thing, or it's just like it's, this? This is real. It kicks my ass, you know. But I'd much rather. Oh, do you like that part? Like I would. The I would much rather. Effort? Yeah, I would much rather have. I like get an too. ass kicking in nature than to be in the gym getting my ass candid to I me. I was thinking of that just yesterday because you know? I like to do a ride from my place right up to the foothills in Santa Fe, and then zoom all the way downtown into the plaza. Mm-hmm. And the climb is gnarly. It's like the lowest gear for a good 35, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And boy, when I get to the top, I'm like, fuck yeah. yeah. I fucking did it, and I feel good, even though I'm like falling off the bike. And then the, the back stretch is just so fun. Yeah. But there is something really satisfying about, you know, just... Uh, I don't know, just like physical exercise, it's like it really clears my head out. It's also become for me... uh, And to be outside, like you're saying. The sense of accomplishment that I'm doing something that I never thought I was capable of. Like last year, I summited Wheeler Peak, which is the highest point in New Mexico. Wow. If you would have told me 10 years ago that I was going to climb from the bottom of that mountain to the very top of that mountain, you're out of your fucking mind. That's what I would have told somebody. Like, yo, Leo's doing what? No, he's not doing that. Yes. And, you know, got up there, planted my flag, and like, holy shit... I did it. Yeah. And so that's definitely a part of it, you know, trying to overcome those barriers. I'm also afraid of heights, so that's part of that. I think we're, you know, we're, we're, we're pressured so much to succeed in the society and to find our niche that will make us uh, financially successful and independent, you know what I mean? And I think you've really got to fucking bust your ass to do that in the society we live in. But then sure. you get to a point in your like forties, like us, where shit's good. You've, yeah. you've mastered your medium. You found your niche. You've got your audience. You've got the income. And then it's like, well, do I start setting new goals, or do I just fucking put it on cruise control? You know. Yeah. And to me, I can't help but just kind of set new goals. Sure. You know, and and reassess things and. Um, I th- I, yeah, I think that uh, the f- physical exercise is really good for us. It's mm-hmm. funny because not everybody our age is getting that. 
like, oh, I want to go out and do stuff. Yeah. Some are like doing the opposite. I always, age, I was, you know? I was always down with nature. I always loved fishing and camping, but I just, I was never down with physical exertion. <laughs> yeah. And now it's well, like. Did you ever skateboard? Yeah. I did. A did little. You? A little. Like yeah. eighth grade. Because uh, that can be so, super gnarly seventh, physical eighth grade. exertion. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, constant. And some kids, they get it, or, and some don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I, 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 I wish I could see you skateboarding. <laughs> I was too. I mean, I skateboarded. I was never really good at it. I'm too long. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm the same way. It, it's, it's a, you got to skate like Tony Hawk versus Christian Asoy. Yeah. Or whatever. Are you doing any music stuff these days? I was uh, playing with Shagoth, like Stoner Doom, H.P. Lovecraft. We did like theatrical Fun. stage shit and yeah. stuff. It was great. One of the last shows we uh, disemboweled. Uh, we had our black priests disemboweling an uh, audience member on stage. It was oh, fucking wow. great. Remember the, <laughs> night, the, the night before, uh, my son walks into the laundry room and me and my wife are stuffing... Um, intestine casing with like crumbled up tofu and dried blood or fake blood yeah nice. he's like what are you doing he said we're making intestines and he just kind of shakes his head and walks out my family's fucking <laughs> weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're you're a special crew for sure <laughs> i mean even just looking around your house like you you know not everybody has like an amazing first of all an amazing collection of paintings but like the subject matter is all like fantasy and dragons and it's fucking fresh, but it's certainly not like what you'd think of just walking into any old person's house. Yeah. You know I, I mean? always, I, I always, really cool. You've I always, always think this, like, like, I, don't I wonder know. if wonder what the neighbors would think, you know? <laughs> well, sure. Well, I, I guess that's a funny thing we could probably wrap up with is, uh, you're a collector of reptiles. Would that be a right thing yeah. to say? And yeah. Since the, I was a kid. What's the gigantic, uh, lizard that was out there? Bahamut. He's a Asian water monitor. An Asian wa- water monitor. And he's like seven feet long. Seven foot, two inches. That's so sick. It's the second large, second largest <laughs> lizard in the world after the Komodo dragon. In your, in your house, like chilling. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so rad, I oh I, I trust him more than the dogs. <laughs> I'll bet, I'll bet. And you've got a bunch of snakes back there too, yep. which is really cool. You know, I you've uh, always been into the snakes since I was a kid, man. If I wasn't drawing, I was tracing lizards and catching snakes. Yeah, and uh, always wanted to be a snake breeder. That was like one of the first things I wanted to do when I was a kid. Wow! And I achieved that finally. You know, a handful yeah. of years ago, I started breeding snakes, mm-hmm. but I quickly realized one, it was just more work than I wanted to put in to continue to do it. And it was also an ethical thing. Yeah. It was mainly it was the ethical thing. There's, There's a lot so of things we could do, right? But you you're a world-class tattooer and painter. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, "Oh, well, am I going to just stop doing that and just I just wanted another make snakes all the time?" I like, wanted another maybe, but you know, I think yeah. at a certain point you got to figure out, okay, what's... I got it under my belt. It was something that I had to do. Yeah. But uh, there's just, there's too many people doing it. There's, to find a, a good home, when, when your snake has 
30 eggs and you have to find 30 good homes that are capable of taking care eggs. taking care of a 17 foot snake eventually yeah it's not as easy to do you sure. know and i just it became an ethical thing for me that i decided to back away from it yeah. you know i just yeah, enjoy that's, them that's that's a big those are big numbers yeah i mean that's a huge that's small that's a small clutch too i mean wow. you, they could have 80 fucking eggs wow and then and I see people. Well, I guess though, in the wild, the eggs would be eaten. Yeah. Like there's a lot of animals that That's eat it. those eggs that love them. Right? Yeah. Or they just wouldn't make it to term, you know? Yeah. But now we have, you know, the control conditions yeah, to have all, all of them. them. Alive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like we've talked about uh, I want to raise rabbits for food. Mm-hmm. And you'd be psyched because oh, yeah. you could use the rabbits to feed your Absolutely. Your yeah. Huh. That's fascinating. Yeah, I think you I'd should still do it. Like to do that. <laughs> the thing is, though, is I have to remind myself I'm an artist. I have a thing. Yep. If I start raising rabbits, that's, that's another start thing. Taking out that that yep. be a job, and it's like, okay, do you want to raise rabbits now? Yep. Or you know, you really, really like to draw, bro. But boy, mm-hmm. I sure would like to raise rabbits and eat them myself, mm-hmm. like just ethically. Sure. In that way, you know, I'd like to be responsible for it. Mm-hmm. You know. Wow, that's some that's some crazy shit. Well, we're at almost an hour and a half. I hope that all worked out good. Yeah, um, man. <laughs> thanks so much for talking to me. For sure, bro. Um, where can people find you out in the world? Um, tattooing at Stay Gold in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram. Instagram's at Cthulio, C T H U L E O. Cool. And then I'm also on Facebook uh, whenever I have to be. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah. It's right. you know, it's it's business and well, it's another tool. I think it's yeah. It's also important just to have ourselves on all those different platforms. It seems like all the professionals sure. are telling us that. Like, don't focus on one. Kind of let would, it. Let I'm it always the late bloomer. I finally ones. got a MySpace, and everybody was like, "No, man, Facebook." Oh <laughs> so I got a Facebook finally, and everybody's yeah. like, "No, dude, Instagram." Yeah. So I got an Instagram, and now people are doing Twitter and all this other shit. And I'm like, sure. "No, I'm stopping there." Right. You know? Yeah. I think it's just about covering covering our asses yeah. in case a platform collapses. Sure. Which it could happen. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. That's, that's some 2019 shit right there. Right. right <laughs> well, thanks again. Yeah, bro. Thank or, you.